<laughs> a lot of pressure, man. Yeah, it is. Evil. And evil. Not our real names. Nailed it. Hey, fans of independent films, not weirdos. <laughs> Celebrators of independent films. Celebrators. We'll get there on what we call the people who listen to our podcast and hopefully like it. Murder celebrators. Uh, we're, already, we're, already sur- we're already sued. <laughs> we're already sued. Hey, you might as well go for it. I didn't go. There's a lawyer at the door right now. My favorite murder has just sued us for what oh, you now you said. Oh, now you went and did it. You named now, it. I can say the name of the podcast. <laughs> That's Trademark. Hey, welcome to A Little Independent, the podcast where two friends talk about independent, obscure, or just plain weird movies. My name's Ryan. And I'm Todd. Hey, Todd. No, it's hi, Todd. Hi, Todd. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> Wait, we're, These people are just going to crave that We are stuff. hitting on all cylinders yeah. tonight. Well, um, I, I, I was going <laughs> to suscept you to uh uh talk about the new fast nine trailer that uh, the the news the second one where vin diesel gets out of the car and talks to the audience and welcomes them back into the movies and i think it's phenomenal you know i know you have a problem with with my man vin but uh check out this trailer it's it's really it's really cool it's it's it hits the heart a little bit you know yeah his voice sounds like it's been treaded by a <clears throat> by a cheese grater yeah. as always but I did like him in Pitch Black. Oh, yeah. Riddick's a good character. So, but I, I think we're going to need as much time as we can to talk about <laughs> the movie. And I told Todd uh, listeners before we started that um, I did something that was inspired by him because Todd has always impressed me over the years we've been friends of trying movies that I would not have tried stuff taking a, a chance on stuff that i wouldn't have taken a chance on and i'm a little more safe with the movies i watch although it could be questioned well, when you watch fast and furious one through 12 every at least five other, times a month <laughs> but it, it could be you know like when i i you know watch septic manners on beavers i'm taking a chance but you take a chance on truly independent movies so i thought we'd do something kind of different and i found an independent movie uh, from 1987 that I'd never seen and you'd never seen. And we thought yeah. we'd kind of do this experiment together. And I thought we'd call it a blind date. Yeah. You just picked it. Now, did you pick it from the title? Did you pick it from a trailer? I can't, How did you find I this? I can't remember. How did you find this germane? Uh-huh. Hmm? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say to you listeners and you, Todd, I did not expect a movie this heavy and this bleak. Uh-huh to show up in our podcast this early <laughs> well german filmmakers right I, I i didn't want to assume yeah you know we're culturally sensitive on this podcast and we're <laughs> inclusive uh but i i don't know how i picked it. it it i was looking for i i did search uh independent film in the 80s and i found a bunch of articles and yeah. this movie just stood out because peter falk was playing himself Maybe we should say what it is. It's called Wings of Desire from 1987. Admittedly, already a terrible name for the movie. 
think the first thing I said was, it sounds like a chick flick. Sound, or it sounds like an adult film, quite frankly. Oh, filmed in a... And, and it's German. Yeah, like an angelic. So um, the description of it is an angel tires of overseeing human activity and wishes to become human when he falls in love with a mortal. Yes. Pretty accurate? Yeah. I mean... I think so. For, for an avant-garde film... When you're trying to find a through line. A relentlessly depressing <laughs> but insightful avant-garde film. And and doubly, I chose this because it was way out of my comfort zone. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like, you do things, and, and you said, oh, I watched this movie, and I'm like, I never in a million years would have tried that. So a, a movie about I'm... angels in Germany falling in love, This none of this is in my wheelhouse. <laughs> Maybe would, for a good reason. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're like, I would never watch this, so I'm going to pick it. So I guess in a perverse way, it was like the antithesis of anything I would have intentionally watched. Yeah. So I was inspired by what you do in your metal detecting, and this was just kind of a different version of it, and I just picked it and sticked it, and here we are. The metal detecting metaphor analogy, I guess you'd say, is is hunting for the hunting for the treasure through all the all the trash and sweeping and all the stuff that goes on metal detecting and then finally finding uh some some treasure in a cinematic way sense yeah. um it's billed as a drama fantasy romance um so i think that's pretty accurate yeah the romance is takes a long time to get there yeah it sure does uh we'll go through the cast list we've got starring uh bruno gans as Damiel. Had you seen him in anything before? No, I don't know if I'm even pronouncing these <laughs> no, names. No, that's right. why I'm laughing. There's like, going to be some German faux pas. Yeah. How See, do we, we, uh... we, we, we went after the French with Swimming Pool. Now we're going to take on the Germans here yeah, with we'll have to Wings of Desire. Come up with a German slogan. So immediately he looked familiar to me. And I didn't oh. look him up right away, but I did remember him in Nosferatu the Vampire. That's the Klaus Kinski version. Oh, I love that one. The, the He's in w- that? Werner Herzog. He's Jonathan Harker in that one in the Shit. 70s. That Werner Her- that's such a batshit crazy movie and Klaus Kinski is just such a legit insane person. But he's Jonathan Harker in that. Um he's in a Mads Mikkelsen movie I really like called Age of Uprising: The Legend of Michael Kolhas. Okay. Which is a cool true true story. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. The one, but it took me forever because I remembered his face, and my wife was saying, "I have never, I've never seen him in anything." He's in the remake, the 2004 remake of the Manchurian Candidate with Denzel Washington, and he plays a scientist or somebody who helps Denzel. And I, his face is pretty striking. This guy. Yeah. He's also in a movie called Far Away, So Close, and I am going to play the trailer for that particular movie. Far away. Far away, so, so close. close. I just want you to listen to the trailer for this other movie uh, from, I think, 1998. Okay. Far away, so close. From heaven, they descend to earth. From eternity, they reach out to us. From far away, they come so close. Full of the best intentions. He's pure and gentle. You're making me cry. From the visionary mind 
of director Vim Vendors. Love being alive. Comes an extraordinary experience. A story of angels. What do you want from me? Devils. He just didn't belong here. And men. You know, there was an incident a couple of years ago. They tore down a wall. I don't know if you recall. Travelers through time on a journey of the heart. Any of this sound familiar? <laughs> That's Lou Reed. Terrible goddamn song. I'm wondering if it's the same writers or the same director. Otto Sander, Peter Falk, Bruno Gantz, Willem Dafoe, Nastasia Kinski, Lou Reed, and Mikhail Gorbachev. In a Vim Vendors film, far away, so close. <laughs> um, and you heard right at the end, starring Mikhail Gorbachev. It's a full-on remake of this movie with the same actors, the same writers, with the addition of Willem Dafoe. <laughs> um, of the one that we're reviewing, right? Correct. Well, yeah. So... Um, and that one looks way more lighthearted. It almost looks like there's comedy beats to it. Yeah, there's there's no devils in this one. No, but um, so that that's a change. Yeah, William Defoe is probably the devil. William Defoe <laughs> is the devil in that. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> How did I know? <laughs> I I I was so shocked when I saw that they actually did a remake of it. Well, yeah. To to your credit, it it won best. He won best director in Cannes. Yeah. That year, so in 1987. So obviously, uh, yeah, the Europeans liked it. And then it was remade, obviously, as City of Angels, the Nicolas Cage, Meg Ryan movie, which was also directed or written by the same writers, directed by somebody else. So yeah. this guy has made the same movie three times. Yeah, this this is so far from City of Angels. <laughs> I know, I, I know. mean, as far as Germany from L.A. The premise. <laughs> So Bruno Gantz is the lead also in Far Away So Close. So is Otto Sander, who plays Cassiel. Um, he was in Das Boot. I recognized him from Das Boot. Is that? The blonde guy. Yeah. So angels have to have ponytails. I just Oh, yeah. And grow slick back hair and look like disgusting 90s perverts. Like, like you would say children? Don't go near them. I, I'd say nobody go near them. <laughs> um, Otto Sander was also, I noted, in a 1996 horror comedy called Killer Condom. Ah. Uh, That's real. Uh-huh. Um, and he was also in a movie uh, called Krabat and the Legend of the Satanic Mill, <laughs> uh, which also starred Daniel Bruhl, who, if you're a Marvel fan, he's in the Marvel Universe and was just in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That actor sadly died in 2013. Uh, and then we have Solveig Domartin playing, oh, I didn't write her name down. Maria. Ma- Marion. 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 Okay. 26 year old Marion. Uh, she was only in 10 movies and sadly died very early. She died in 2007. I think she was 40 something. Oh, that sucks. So. Um, not much on Solveig. Had you seen her in anything, the lead actress in this? No, no, but she's quite the dancer. Yeah, I, I think she's great. I, I like her in this, although she's a huge bummer. We'll get into that. Then we've got Kurt Boys as Homer. Do you know who that is in the movie? I saw 
I saw Homer listed in the trailer at the end, but I didn't know. Yeah. Was it the old guy? It's the old guy. Uh, the writer, the storyteller. The storyteller. sense that he would be Homer, yeah. All I can say is he was in fucking Casablanca. <laughs> nice. So he's old as hell. And he was old in Casablanca. He was old. <laughs> uh, well, he, he was billed as like a pit, pickpocket or something, so a small role. Well, it's, you know, so Casablanca is very near and dear to our podcast. You yes. Know, we end every show with, a, with an homage to Casablanca. That's right. And what excited me in this movie, Peter Falk, is credited as Der Film Star, but he's actually playing himself. Do you think it's true that that was actually his coat in Columbo? Uh, maybe. I noted, so do you have a favorite Peter Falk movie? Oh. That isn't The Princess Bride? Nothing jumped out at me. I just think of him as Columbo always. Interesting. Yeah. Um. I, it's he's played himself a lot. He's played himself in Opening Night, Wings of Desire, The Player, The Larry Sanders Show, Far Away So Close. So he's played himself one, two, three, four, five, five times. I love I love him in Murder by Death, the Neil Simon play yeah. slash movie, and the Cheap Detective in Murder by Death. And it's it's a fairly insensitive movie because of Peter Sellers portrayal of the the chinese detective and so it doesn't hold up but peter falk is like the the sam diamond and my favorite line is he comes into the to the mansion he's got the white tuxedo and he comes into a drawing room and somebody's like mr diamond you have a bullet in your back and he goes you should see the other guy (laughs) and he literally has a bullet in his back (laughs) and just his voice the way he carries himself oh i love him and I noted Peter Falk's last movie on record, 2009, and it's a movie called American Cowslip. S-L-I-P? Cowslip. What the hell's that? It's an odd movie about a stoner who needs to pay his rent, so he enters a gardening contest. Uh, Val Kilmer's in it, kind of in a slightly overweight phase with a crazy cop mustache. Um, really interesting. Uh, it was written by Vim Vendors, Peter Hotkey, Richard Reitlinger, and Bernard Eisenschitz. <laughs> See, I knew I'd do it. God damn it! That's you know, like these German names. I'm yeah, gonna say you eat at the wrong restaurant. And, yeah. <laughs> you get the uh, Eisenschitz. Bernard Eisenschitz was uncredited. <laughs> uh, and also, Wim, Peter, and Richard wrote City of Angels from 1998. So this guy has literally written and been a part of the same movie three times. That's, and yeah, that's striking. Vim Vendors, um, d- have you ever seen anything that he'd done? Did you look him up at all? Nope. The one thing that I have seen, and, and my wife showed me this movie through the soundtrack, was Buena Vista Social Club, the documentary about the aging um, Cuban m- musicians who are kind of forgotten following Castro's rise to power, and they're kind of brought back out of retirement and create mm. this amazing concert and movement. Buena Vista Social Club, awesome documentary. Cool, never even heard of that. Yeah, and the music, I noted the music in this was insane and great, I thought. Until the band started playing. Oh, I figured we'd have a tussle about that. <laughs> uh, Jur- Jurgen Nieper was the composer, and I, I had not seen anything that he'd done. Uh, tagline, Uh-oh. there are angels on the streets of Berlin. Um, I would say true statement. I don't know if it's a tagline. Yeah, it's a little a la- tagline. For a movie you... like this, I would think it was yeah. more provocative. I would be. Oh, there's so much more, and it's on the poster in English. So maybe again, that's a marketing thing. Uh, two hours and eight minute runtime. 
Uh, U.S. box office, $3.3 million worldwide, 3.4, which didn't seem right to me because it made 3.3 in the U.S. Wow. But worldwide, only 3.4, so maybe there's a, an error there. No, just making $3 million in the U.S. in 87, so that's a yeah. lot more. But I would think that it would have made a ton in Germany and anywhere else, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. IMDb. Well, I mean, you're talking... You're talking a Top Gun year and stuff like that. Top I mean, Gun was 87? I think so, yeah. Wow. And this movie... Can you imagine going like yeah. from Top Gun oh, to Oh, Top this? Gun sold out, honey. Let's go see... Oh, this... Oh, uh, Wings. Wings. It's probably a, a, a you know an air movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have planes in it. Wings And the guy's desire. like, well, it's got desire in it. Maybe I'll see some yeah. movies. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's nope. take my breath away. Uh, you noted... You noted uh, Winner at Cannes, Best Director, and it was a nom- nominee for the Palme d'Or. Um, BAFTA nominee in 1989, Best Film Not in the English Language. It won Best Foreign Film in the Film Independent Spirit Awards. Uh, 19 uh, total wins, 13 nominations. Yeah. So a lot. It's definitely an artsy film. See, and I'm, I'm going to try. I, I wanted to not use the word artsy. Oh, you know, and and give, I I don't have give a guy a heads up, will you? No, 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 no. I just said for me, um, because it I don't know. I'm not. I'm gonna say I'm. I don't know much about German film. You know, I went to film school for just a little bit. Yeah, but I'm not well versed. But I know what they're known for. And if I know what they're known for, this has got it all. It's black and white. What What are they known for, Ryan? Depressing scenery, bleak inner monologue, suicide. Weird circuses. <laughs> well, that's the, that's what this one's known for. Yeah. What what are German films known for? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 well, what was your take? Well, I thought you had a take. I, no, no. I'm just saying, from what I hear, this has got all the tenants. Of, oh, uh, that was a whiff. That was like a setup in volleyball, and then I swung and missed the, the kill there. Completely whiffed. Well, what are they known for? I don't know. You said it with conviction. I thought you had a... No. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> I thought you had something there. No, no, no. I'm just saying I, 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 I don't want to, you know, perpetuate a stereotype. Yeah. That German films are heavy and drag, and they're well, you know, Das Boot existential, and 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 well, Das Boot's amazing because, you know, it is pretty exciting. But by the end of this movie, you're like, I have been rooting for a bunch of fucking Nazis this whole time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think your mind auto- automatically goes to World War Two yeah. type stuff. But um, the opening shot is is of our lead, Damiel, which I thought was kind of cool. He's standing on that really fake looking statue. Yeah. Did you notice he had wings that just slowly disappear? Yeah, they fade. They fade right out. Which immediately I'm like, okay, artistic. But <laughs> then it goes into a long stretch of your kind of third person perspective seeing people and hearing their inner monologues. Yeah. So they're writing, there's a hand writing a letter in the old style ink pen where you got to dip it in the ink. Yeah. And there's a monologue in the beginning. Now leave it to you to have picked, this is episode 10, by far in a way, the most spiritual movie. <laughs> and, and and I'm the one that has to have the spiritual moment. You literally picked a movie that the entire movie I figured you might have a tough time with that. Is a spiritual moment. I mean, <laughs> it's all it is. So yeah. let right out the gate, I'm just gonna say that letter where it talks about you know, the the children and how the children view yeah. life in the moment and everything's a fresh experience. Well, do you did you notice that children seem to like, you know, these are imperceptible angels and, and they don't mm-hmm. nobody really says angels. 
you just infer it from that first shot. But they are moving around. People don't see them. But do you notice that kids interact with them? The, the children are the only ones that can see them. And I, I Okay, you agree with that. And that's, that's the point of, you know, there's many references to be, being like a child yeah. and seeing the world like a child. And, and they nail it right in the beginning. And it, it is very spiritual. I mean, yeah. so we're just going to leave it at that. And this whole movie is a spiritual moment. <laughs> so I'll never, I don't know how to overcome this now. <laughs> Well, the, 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 and it was random. The inner monologues and dialogue, it seems like everyone in Berlin is suffering from crushing existential woe, crippling self-doubt. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, our lead is on a plane and you just focus on a person and their horrible, terrible thoughts. And then all of a sudden Peter Falk shows up and he has like, he's talking, he's flying to Berlin to film a movie and he's like, I don't think I understand this character. I don't know what's going on. So I I I get how the the naysayers of this movie were like I don't think there's audible dialogue from one person to another until like 8 minutes into the film. <laughs> and it's children screaming outside. Yeah. Well, there you know, he's he's establishing that uh, yeah, I guess you so he never says they never say the word angels in the movie. So. At the end, at the very end, when you see yeah. who's writing the, the note. But they can hear, you know, the mortal's thoughts. And that sounds horrible. And you it know, is. You just like described how horrible. When, um, day in and day out. And I forget what movie does it. Um, and it may be Superman Returns, where Superman talks about how hard it is to hear everybody and their pleas at, every, at all times. And I think maybe in Man of Steel they 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 talk about it too. His super hearing, he has, and it's I but think that's it's verbal the, talk out loud. This is actually the inner mental well, dialogue. Yeah, but it's kind of similar. Like you're just you're hearing everybody at all times, and how do you turn that off? Yeah. But these angels, like it was one 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 of the interesting pieces of dialogue was a guy comes into what apparently is his apartment. My mother was my mother. My father was my father. My sister is coming. I have to get out of here. And he fucking pieces out. <laughs> yeah. So there were moments where I'm like, okay. Yeah. This is this is an artsy I'm film. I'm dumb, gonna use it again. But it's 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 not streamlined. It's not a yeah. through line. I was along for the ride, but every once in a while, yeah. like, is everybody depressed in Berlin? <laughs> and maybe that was the tone. And I sound totally ignorant. Well, even the movie they're filming is. You yeah, know, oh, friggin' yeah. Nazi oh, World we'll War II. Oh, God. Yeah. But you have, you know, an older guy and, and a wife, and they're talking about their son who the rock and roll is ruining him. Um, did you notice that the, that old man, he's sitting in the chair, the remote control he had was like yeah. a giant square? It, it, if, he had, if the TV hadn't went off, I wouldn't have known what the hell that was. I mean, it looked like in one of those old math things that you used to do your multiplication like equations Like a calculator on. before they yeah. had, you know regular internal batteries. <laughs> so we have a long intro. Let's let's call it that. And a long intro without establishing a lead character. Now, if you're looking at at the credits and you know who the lead is, I guess you know who the lead is, but there's a lot of kind of, you know, they must have used helicopters or something to get all the flying shots. Now, do you think all those shots are the angels perspective flying around? Yeah, it's hard to say. Because at one what point, would, it's what he was thinking. Our lead guy that. pops in an ambulance with a woman who's giving or pregnant, and 
He's putting his hand on the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the the husband's like, it'll be over soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you don't say that. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. Yeah. Very German, I guess. Uh, you know, yeah. they're used to not things not working out. <laughs> and, and then you get our two leads. So you find out are the two leads at the car dealership. And they're sitting in a car. Now, it's interesting because do they have corporeal form? Like if the, the guy who came in and said the car looks like a pimp mobile, which I thought was funny. Yeah. If they sat in that car, would they be like, oh, that's somebody's lap? They move out of the way every time like somebody's going to sit in a chair in the library. The guy jumps out of the chair. Like, I guess that's true. But they would sit right through but them. Then, you know, in <clears throat> in the girl's trailer, when um, in Marion's trailer, when he goes to pick up the rock... Yeah. He becomes transparent, as does the rock. So yeah. I don't know what the rules of this And so does a are. pen. He picks up a pen at one yeah. point, too, and it's the same thing. <clears throat> but they're, like, reporting out on stuff, like kind yeah. of menial stuff. This is what's going on. Here's this happening. Well, this happened. is this where they have the conversation about um, what it would be like to be human, you know, to feel the weight of stuff in your hand? And, and Demil is, you know, that's, that's the one through line is where yeah. he wants to – you know, like he, he, says, he wants to experience. I don't want to hover above. I want to feel a weight within. Yes. And so, so they're teeing up this, you know, I've been doing this for centuries and I'm tired of tired of doing this. Because the way the film shot, it looks tiring. They just kind of look. Yeah, because it is. But so that poses an interesting question. I was going to bring it up, but now's the time. Can eternal bliss get boring? Is that why we are here? And I don't, I would, you mean, do you think if, they are feeling well, bliss? Well, I mean, you're assuming they're. They, they make a point to say they feel nothing. So they're, that's they're observing and they're reporting. Yeah. Yeah. But they're also helping. Yeah. He does have a good quote about he wants to feed the cat like Philip Marlowe. And do you know who Philip Marlowe is, the no. character? No. From uh, Humphrey Bogart, Maltese Falcon, I think. Forgive me if I'm wrong. But he's also played in a 1973 movie called The Long Goodbye, and he's played by Elliot Gould. And the whole opening of The Long Goodbye, I'm not kidding, is him trying to find curry brand cat food to feed his cat. <laughs> I swear to God, it's bananas. What country is this film? The Long Goodbye? Yeah. Oh, it's U.S. Okay. It, it's, it's a 73 movie. It's a detective story. Elliot Gould smokes so much in this movie, you're concerned that he died right after but the whole beginning, and it's forever, is him trying to find curry brand cat food for his cat. Goes to the supermarket, can't find it, has to pretend the cat like like puts the old food in the curry can. And so that really resonated with me when he said, <laughs> feed the cat like Philip Marlowe. But Yeah, I, I didn't have that reference. So they they go into a library, which seems to be a a, a central figure in this movie, and then you realize that there are other angels. Yeah, the library is full of because, them. Yeah, but only one female. Exactly. And why the library? I, my, you know, They're searching. F- the mortals are searching for knowledge, and yeah. they're there to observe and help. And it's, it's almost like they were – I took it like they were do- – because they said documenting and preserving, like when the mortals – have a have a God moment, have a spiritual moment. Yeah. Because it, that's what they're repeating, like so-and-so did this in the middle of that. But it was kind of mundane stuff. It wasn't huge, like governments were toppled or something. No. Well, 
The whole film is that way. It's bleak, black, and white. And this and is white. pre-fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah, the wall's throughout the whole movie, which is crazy yeah. to see. And there's one point where they say, you, you can't get lost here. You just keep walking. You'll run into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the wall was recreated for the movie because they wouldn't let them film the Berlin Wall. No way. Even all that graffiti and all uh, that? All of it recreated. Oh, where'd yeah, you find there, that? There's a story about that. Okay. Um, so they're, they're on the train. And th- again, it's more inner monologues. And I'm yeah, like, oh yeah. <laughs> do I hate this? Do I like this? And just one, if just one person was like, big day. I sold my first novel. You know, mom's cancer is in remission. My high school sweetheart just got divorced. Yeah. Like not one person could be like, I'm having a great day. Yeah. And this is the first time you see, I think, the angels influence somebody because the guy, there's a guy who's having a terrible you know, existential crisis. Casile sits next to him and kind of hugs him. And the guy starts to go, I think I'm going to be okay. So is it their influence is, is through touch? That happens throughout the movie where there's some touching and then they say, Oh, I feel peaceful or, Oh, I feel I have, they get a new inspiration except for there's the one that, yeah, you know, the one that are you going to get into that one or I'm not sure. Okay, Maybe. so one really. one guy jumps and then it turns out oh, he yeah. just jumped down six feet, but that is to get to the real ledge. Yeah, and then he goes to the real ledge and all these bystanders are yelling, "Don't jump!" So yeah, Camille puts his arm around him and is trying to whisper Camille, to him. Camille Casile. Casile. Let's call him Camille. Camille. Put some red lipstick on him. He, he needs. He's a pasty, pasty angel. He's already got the ponytail. Yeah. Why so the guy they leaps. look. And he goes, nine. They look so gross, these angels. <laughs> Slicked back hair, like a 90s Steven Seagal villain. Like 90s Steven Seagal. Every one of them had a ponytail, And right? a giant wool coat. I didn't like, like the way like, they looked. Like a flasher. Yeah, I didn't like the way they looked at all. And so now we get to, uh, again, I think you've established the movie. you established the characters. This is what they're doing. You don't know how long they've been there. Do they travel other places in the world? And you get to the circus. Well, establishing the final lead. Yeah. You get to the circus. And what I noticed is the circus people were speaking French. It was still subtitled. She was. I think everybody was. Because the trapeze guy, the trapeze coach was a real dick. Just yelling at her. Yeah. Like, what does a trapeze coach do? Don't fall down. I think he was the... The ringleader of the whole circus? He was, but it just, he was a just jerk off yeah. to her, yeah. yelling at her. She was doing fine, but he, he was sucker, bro. So, <laughs> and Jess speaks French, so she was like, oh, these are all people speaking French, and, which makes sense in a foreign film. Yeah, like, and she's bitching about, and they had angel wings at her, and she's bitching about being right. chicken wings. Yeah, you fly like an angel, and she's like, no, I don't I like these chicken wings. can't fly in these chicken wings, yeah. So, um, they reveal that the circus is broke. Not a shock. Late 80s, Berlin. Not a lot of... I mean, when you see the people who went to the circus, they didn't look like they paid a ton of money. In a small circus, and it was all, thing was It tiny. was all kids. There were hardly any adults. Tiny. It was kind of weird. Yeah, a lot of free passes that day. But this is going to be their last performance. And this is when... Okay. Marion is a real fucking bummer. <laughs> she just... And I get it. For the movie, based on the arc... <laughs> But her inner monologue stuff is just a downer. Like, she's so lonely, but she's, like, the only hot girl in this all-male circus. How is she lonely? 
Are you kidding me? She's with a bunch of carnies. He's looking for. I get it. She's looking for Mister Wright. But she's still in Berlin. Again, I I think the actress very attractive, and and talented. But she's the only female in the circus, and she goes on and on. And I noticed she's got she's sitting on this car, and she's well, she's lonely, and and Damiel is there, and the guy with the accordion shows up. And sits next to her and starts playing his shitty accordion. And I'm like, thanks, asshole. Yeah. Like, I'm having a moment here. And you well, bring your do-do-do-do-do. Look do-do-do-do. at who her boss was, right? In the circus. Yeah. And then they just find out the circus is canceled. Tonight's the last performance. I get it. But there's just a... And a, she came from Paris to be there to do this. I feel like Berlin just causes this ennui for oh, people. Oh, yeah. It's it's heavy. And, and I, I was thinking myself... My inner thoughts are nowhere near this level of de- really depression, I guess, but sophistication. <laughs> like, I'm not going through enough up here, I don't think, because they are a mile a minute you with can, their you internal. You can do better. <laughs> they're just crushing depression about themselves. And I, I noticed, you know, she goes to her trailer and she picks up her robe that she just dropped on the dirty, muddy ground. Yeah, to do some weird flip around thing. Some guy just walks up and then she just does yeah. this. Full on uh, Gina Carano. Yeah, in, just like a in, little, uh, uh, how do you do? You know, like it look like a salsa dance thing where they yeah. flip the dancer around the Well, head. you know when Gina Carano does that move on uh, what's-his-face in the cafe? Mm-hmm. The Magic Mike guy? And she jumps way up and does a whole spin around. And Before remember, she came an awful person. Kind of reminded me of that. Uh, it depends on what side of the fence you're on there, right? <laughs> <laughs> One side. <laughs> So, but her the inside of her trailer is nice, I thought, comparatively. Yeah, compared to the outside, For it looks like it was going to be a carny complete... trailer. She's got silk sheets, <laughs> and she's got her own. She's got her whole camper to herself. Yeah, which I thought was pretty interesting too, because yeah. you'd think they'd be stacked up and it'd be gross, and I don't know where the other people lived. They usually sleep in tents or some shit. Well, no, there's. Yeah, I think they do. The campers. modern the ones 80s. that go to the shopping malls, they park all their. The yeah. campers right in the parking lot. So what's interesting is she puts on a Nick Cave record. And this is the band that you don't like in the movie. Do you know who Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds are? Is that a real band? Yeah. That was real songs That's that a, they were playing oh later boy. on? boy, yeah. A lot of reviewers did not like this either. <sighs> so there's a reason why he's in the that movie, my... I think. <laughs> so this is when... you knew, Wait, you, wait, wait. Had wait, to get, you had to wait. get it in there. You, you knew... Yeah, who this artist? Absolutely. You know, I called him an artist. Yeah, which was a mistake. <laughs> Henry Rollins actually uh, helped manage that band back in his Black Flag days. He's well, he's he's kind of like the punk rock Jim Morrison. Yeah, that I, I actually wrote in my notes a, a cross between U two and the Doors. Oh, yeah, interesting about U two because this director directed a whole bunch of U two stuff. Okay. And I don't know how that's connected. But just the way the guitar, the guitarist was trying to be like, what's that guy's name? You know, the way he was doing with his uh, the uh, the most overrated the, band, of the all Edge. Time. Yeah, but but you see what I'm saying? He they're, was he was a Jim Morrison. They they copy. were they're very unique band, and not a lot of people like them. And as soon as I saw Nick Cave in this movie, I'm like, Todd hates this for fucking sure. <laughs> you really? Oh yeah, I, I said it out loud. Jess is like. Are you, you think? And I'm like, yeah, I don't think Todd's enjoying this at all. You know me so well. But uh, Damiel is in, in her trailer, and this is when he 
starts. This is when he looks like a full on predator. Oh, this is where this is like if a guy could be invisible. Yeah, it's the this is what they would thing. do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now and he's but but he's an angel. I know, but he looks <laughs> his so, face is is it's so striking, but it can look so predatory. He he totally. Yeah, he's supposed to be an angel. And she takes off her clothes and you don't see anything. It's not lurid. Yeah, a little bit. But he's just kind of like there. Okay. And then it goes to color He for reaches a, a hand out like Yeah, he touches her over her, on her, her shoulder, shoulder there. Yeah. Which you assume from the previous scene that would just be a good thing for her. That would stop her relentless self-doubt for a second. And it's it the the movie goes to color. That's yeah. the one thing that I I get at the end, but the times it goes to color, I could not figure out why or if there's a rhyme or reason because it's just for little moments. Yeah, he obviously had a reason, but we would have to really yeah. watch it a lot of times to try to pick up on it. Um, so now we get Homer, the old man, and Cassiel seems to be attached to this dude, like to the end. So I wonder why the attachment, but this old man was really had some things to say. The storyteller, right? Yeah. That's how he kept referring to himself and. He's, he was there for World War II. He's in the live. The flashback stuff was really rough. Yeah. But I noted a couple of things that he said. My heroes are no longer warriors and kings. The things of peace are just as good as the next. And then, of course, in traditional bleak German filmmaking, I think that's a lovely line. And then he says, peace's inspiration is not enduring. <laughs> no one has been successful yet. Yeah. So we're talking about Buddha. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about... Mohammed. Right. None of them have brought peace on earth. Well, they're not real. Thanks, Homer. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that can of worms is, is, <laughs> is so big. I can't even reach See, the lid. We've done this so many times. It's not, it doesn't even matter anymore. But I, I think his, his, his lines were the first, <laughs> were the first inner monologues that I really, I, I like, they were kind of poetic. Some of them seemed a little heavy and seemed a little blah, to be yeah. blah. Um, but this guy was really compelling, I thought. And, you know, my heroes are no longer warriors and kings. I yeah. thought it was really a cool line. And it's worth mentioning again that the, you know, it's in German. So you have subtitles through yeah. this entire thing. So you've got, you've got to read it fast and try to take in the picture of the movie at the same time because, you know, you have to read the dialogue, see, or you won't know what's going on. Did you find that detrimental? Because I, yeah, I think the first time through, I did watch it twice. So, holy um, shit! Yeah, I did. I went. You back watched in. this twice? I did. I, you suck, Ryan. You guys, if you could see my face right now, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we will be getting cameras soon, so for future episodes, oh my it, it'll god. be gold. Because, <laughs> yeah, because that was that was pretty good. Uh, wow. And so I, I was the whole time because I knew like I chose to do this experiment, which didn't feel like an experiment, but it kind of did, I guess, was like, well, when you know, you get a can best director winning movie, you know, and it's definitely it's not it. mainstream. You know what I mean? This is not a, a, a mainstream movie really at all. No, I'm shocked it made three million in the U.S. I really am. Really? Well, yeah. Maverick was out that year. That's a good point. That's definitely a good point. Top Gun for you. 
non-watchers of the Tom Cruise, you've lost that loving feeling. Well, you know, is that a is that a movie that you know still holds up? I haven't seen it in a long time, but I think it kind of does for its fun camp and cheesiness. Just to see Val Kilmer in his element, yeah. you know, before he completely lost it. So Homer says, and you touched on this before. He's looking through books and looking through photos. And again, I can't help but notice like these people's lives look so dreary and awful. And I like the like, where's the joy? Nobody's happy. And again, oh, it's a library. Maybe that's the point. But he (laughs) says, once mankind loses its storyteller, it also loses its childhood. They make a lot of references to that, too. The 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 being like a child reference, which is great because it's very yeah. important. And then we have Homer and he's looking for Potsdamer plots, which he's in. But I think that's an interesting bit. He's in the middle of this field and he seems to be in a trance, you know, like he, he's just walking around like the angels are just walking around. And then there, there's this friggin' recliner in the middle of this dirt. That mud was field. a cool shot. That was a cool. But what show. the hell was that doing there? <laughs> I think that was late '80s Berlin. Oh. You know, I mean, Potsdamer Platz right now is 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 a public square, and it's definitely a a hub of activity. And you can see where yeah. the Berlin Wall was once. And he's trying to find it because there's but no, was, nothing but a muddy, muddy field. But again, he ate, uh, I hate to sound ignorant when watching these movies, but I was just kind of like, oh, art's artful. Yeah, I don't understand, but it's cool. <laughs> well, you can't hate. Look, the guy directed a movie that he became, he won Best Director for in Cannes. Yeah. Regardless of anything else. And, you know, I have not made a two hour movie that won Best Director in Cannes. You're a good guy. Have you? No. If so, did, how, can, how you. can we how can we be critical of what you. he did? If I did it, I, I wouldn't tell you. I keep that. Really? Just for fun. You would keep that from me? Yeah. Just to say it when we're old. Yeah. It's hard for me to say can. I always want to say cans because I'm American and it's spelt with an S on the end. And well, I just, I see it. We had that discussion already. And maybe if anybody wants to email us <laughs> at uh, a little independent podcast at gmail.com, if we should be saying con or can, I always thought it was can. They say can. That's how I always hear it. But they spell it with an S on the end. Yeah. That's a just a. French. Well, we got the Doberman gang outside. Hey, the French, you can email us too. Let us know what's up. I love the French. Casile, I noticed in another scene, was in the backseat of a car. And first it made me thought all of their actions are just random. They're just walking around trying to find the most depressed person, I guess. Because <laughs> Casile, you know, no, tries to stop a suicide I they're looking for the opposite. They're looking for people that are that are. Li- finding the now in the wrong fucking place then <laughs> because everybody in this movie is tragically depressed <laughs> based on their inner monologues i mean if you walked around think about if you walked around maybe you do and if we break through like have a breakthrough moment but maybe you do if you walk around just like i'll never be as good as i once was i don't really know what i'm doing i used to be a musician no yeah. i'm not anymore i wonder if i'd be any good if you your inner monologue was that constant that would be a city of crazy people. So mine's the opposite then, I guess, because remember the other last week we were talking about a particular picture I wanted to get printed out from when I was 22 years old and yeah. blah, blah. The reason for that was an inspiration for, you know, on the 
to rework out and you know but when you're talking through that, that in point, your head when you're like do you call uh, yourself todd in your head no okay so you're like hey me adonis okay okay <laughs> all right hercules so this is your inner monologue hey i was thinking about that picture it's pretty cool i had long hair back then that's pretty rad is that kind of how it goes well i just think you know where you are now you're like man if I knew then what I knew now. <laughs> Again, but is, is it a relentlessly German-paced inner monologue that just doesn't seem to stop? No. No. That's my point. So uh, That would so, be awful. I know. That's what I'm saying. I feel for these people. They need angels in their lives. But well, so Casile's in a car. Again, did he get in that car? Did he have to open the door? Are they? Can they walk through walls? Because you never see them you know, show supernatural powers. No, just just when they pick up that rock in the pen where it's... So did he have to, like, check cars and be like, ah, I locked. think he just floated right through Locked. It. Okay, you think they they can just go through? Yeah. Okay. I think they can just appear, right. appear wherever they want to. In another bummer of a line, I forget who says it, and I quote, today's German soul can only be dominated and conquered. That was Homer. That was Homer. Okay. Yeah. This guy. That one sucked. Why is yeah. what's he got <laughs> I mean, going that, for himself? It wasn't a bad line. It just the depression part of I it. I know. <laughs> so that's where movies like this, I try to because you know, and and listeners, um, if you get to know me or if you care to, I love escapism. I love movies for escape. And serious movies, Todd and I differ a little bit on this. <laughs> I tend to really need to be in the right mood for a serious movie. Yeah. Although like the founder. I can go to that movie at any time. But something like this, I feel sometimes like it takes something from me. Yeah. <laughs> because I know there are people out there like that. I, I, if it wasn't for the podcast, I wouldn't have watched it a second time. Yeah. Just because, not that it's And I'm not unhappy. Terrible. Like, it's, I'm just going to say it now. I'm not unhappy I watched it. Yeah. I feel like it, it's upping our independent movie street cred quite a bit, having gotten through this bad boy. <laughs> because <laughs> this is a heavy duty fucking movie but so now we get to the movie set because this whole time i'm like where's peter falk where's peter falk we're too much in her monologue they promise too much in her monologue they, it's they, it, i'm like if it's just fucking him in the beginning on the plane and that's it i was gonna break my tv <laughs> the remote's gonna go right through but it. we get a lot of peter falk and it's him on yeah. a movie set which it looked like because you you hear him later talking and, about is it a a World War II movie, and he's it, a yeah. spy. It's a World War II movie. He's a detective. Okay, because like like he's always a detective, right? But his he's got inner dialogue going on too. You know, am I yeah. good? Am I as good and an actor now as I was? Depressing. Yeah, it, Berlin is doing this to him too. Because <laughs> I don't see Peter Falk as a guy who has depressing inner monologue. He's the guy who's reading the book to Fred Savage and the Princess Bride. But he does say some encouraging things when he can sense the other angels later on. Well. But the twist, because this movie's got. Oh, a that was the WTF twist. moment for me. Yeah, and, and that's we're talking what, about the same thing. Yeah. I know it because there's only one time in the whole movie. I don't know if we'll give it away or not. That you literally go, "What the fuck? Yeah, no way." But the best line in this entire movie, said by Peter Falk, when he goes to the costume person, "I can't wear this fucking hat." <laughs> and the best scene in this movie is the costume person has him next to a box of hats. And he's just trying on hats. And every hat for her is great. She's just trying to get him to pick one. And he's just like, look like I'm at my wedding. Yeah. <laughs> look like I'm at somebody's funeral. Oh, this was in Casablanca. But 
he's known for a guy who wears hats. Yeah. And what's funny is each hat kind of did look different on him. I thought they all looked good, but holy shit, I love that scene so, so much. He always wore a different hat in Columbo? Well, no, he just, you know, you always see him with a hat. He's As a detective. I thought he said he didn't wear a hat in Columbo. He didn't. Because he, he said that. Yeah, he didn't And then he said the jacket was mine. Yeah, and I love the references to, to Columbo in this. But the, and, and I think we see this activity, and that's because the angels are visiting the set, and they are visibly delighted. Our, our lead angels are delighted by Peter Falk. They're smiling. For the first time ever. I, I it, We should have counted the smiles in this movie. I bet there's eight total. Eight smiles total when in this he, whole movie. Yeah, he, he smiles our lead. I keep wanting to call him Damien, which would be hilarious. Damiel. Damiel. You know, you call him Damien. Uh, you know, we all know what that movie is. Oh, so yeah. that would have been hilarious do, to call do, him do, Damien. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised if that move, that kind of music was in this movie. But he, he smiles later on when he has his uh, his change. Yeah. But so few smiles. Kind of like. But the, the angels, you know, are, are kind of, they're having fun with what's going on in this movie. And I noted the the extras. Because <laughs> Peter Falk, he goes to draw that older lady. Yeah, what, a, what a nose. What a nose. <laughs> Look at that nostril. And then he has the inner monologue about how patient the extras are. And he says, they're people. They're extra people. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a kind thing to think. And having been an extra myself on a movie, I can tell you. Do tell. Which movie? <laughs> maybe we'll do it on the podcast one day. Who knows? You, know, you don't want to reveal it, it Oh, it was a movie called Unconditional Love. Uh-huh. But, um, and, and what Oscar-winning uh, actress was in it? Kathy Bates. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was. So you were her. rubbing elbows with Kathy I, I Bates. I nearly rubbed elbows with her. In what city? But in Chicago. But it it was, it was a long day, and it's a lot of nothing. But I noticed all these. He said that. these extras in this movie. None of them are talking to each other. No. They're oppressed and depressed. <laughs> Move all, away all, from this town. They're all in their own inner monologue. Yeah, yeah. Just and busy. they don't even have phones. Well, true. Okay, but it it is. Along and you know, I my the scene that I was a part of actually made it into the movie, but it was like a 11 hour day. The scene ended up being I don't know, a minute, but I was fascinated by everything. Yeah, so if you're a career extra, it's just a job, you're bored. But for me, that first time, and I, I could see being interested in it for a while. Now, if you're on night shoots or rain, stuff like that, that sucks. But so I was can you just make like, a living being an extra? I don't think so. If I you mean, live in Berlin and, I got, and have a cardboard box for a house, well, comparatively, then maybe they probably don't shoot many movies. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know how. But it was a it was a fun experience. But yeah. again, I and I had to stop myself from just like being looking around at everything, because when it was time to shoot, you had to do what you were supposed to do. But these people were just like looking like they'd rather be dead. Did, did you picture Kathy Bates swinging the hammer? Did you go there? She looked so different. Her hair was short and done up, and she had this, I don't know. I, maybe we'll do the movie. I don't know if it's independent, but um, if you watch it, you'll see. She's just, you know, it's a, a big scene for her, and she's very yeah. happy. So well, she didn't feel dark at yeah, all. Yeah, and, you know, that's 
that's where I go. Kathy Bates. Yeah, there's I, three I go, people behind me in this line coming into an auditorium. That's so cool. Yeah, for for about an hour of the day. Yeah, and I can't wait till uh, I can't wait wait until we get to the episode where we reveal that brush of stardom from you. <laughs> Ooh, just, look at us! I'll leave the breadcrumbs out stuff. there, folks. It's coming. If you know who wait wait is, um, so you've got a surprise coming. My 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 question is, Damiel and and Cassiel. They seem to be kind of jovial enough. They they seem to be have been friends forever, and we find out later how long they've been doing this. But I like them together. But Casile seems to be much more distant, and De- Demille seems to be more engaged. So Demille says, "Let me take you somewhere after the movie," and he takes them to the takes Casile to the circus. So my question is: Has Casile never seen a circus before in all this time? Yeah, he's because he's alive. like, "Let me show you something else." He's been alive through. The entire evolution of humanity. Yeah, before history. And he's never been to a circus. All right. Well, all right. I guess it's possible. Uh, yeah. It is in this in this. And in this I world. honestly, I'm going to admit something that I'm sad to admit. Being a German movie, I thought the circus would be way weirder. Oh, like freaks? I thought there'd be more nudity. I thought there'd be, I don't know what, but I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fucked up circus for sure. And it was just a nice little circus. <laughs> and our our lead actress wasn't uh, doing the trapeze right away. She was a nice little cat. Yeah, and there were a couple other girls, by the way, because they were show there? up. Yeah, oh. with, with the, remember one gets in that the, with the magician. Oh yeah, she I gets in the trunk. Oh, the strong woman too. And then there was right. a strong woman. I'm yeah. completely wrong. So the carnies were all tearing up the strong woman, and our girl took off. Oh, okay, See? okay. She should have worked out more, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> She's pretty flexible. So that's when I started to ask, how long have they been here? Are they confined to Berlin? Do they? How many languages do they speak? And that's when we get the scene of the two of them. And I thought this was really, really interesting, where they say their first visit to Berlin was before history had begun. Yeah, they're talking about the river. Yeah. What, you know, not being what there. What this was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it became a river. And I mean, we're talking primordial yeah. times. Yeah. And what? Why would they be there? There's no people. Well, what would they be doing? They mentioned they did see the first biped. And so that, they're they're helping, and they that's what they said. The biped grunted at them, and they said that was the first time they ever laughed. So literally, in this movie, we have angels, which are biblical, yeah, and we have bipeds, which are Darwinian. Together, yeah, and and they say that's how that's how they learn how to speak. They said they learn how to speak from the biped, his grunting and, and whatever. So I, I I think that's an interesting little... Well, just the fact that angels are dealing with, you well, know, the evolution theory. Okay, so is... I didn't want to bring this in, but... <laughs> I didn't even think This of reminded me a lot of the Kevin Smith movie Dogma. I'm guessing you've not seen that movie. No, I've seen a Clerks and Clerks 2. In Dogma, and... um, it's, I think it's brilliant, and... Um, You've got Matt Damon and Ben Affleck who play angels, and they're kind of doing the same thing. And oh, I wonder, wait, 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 I have seen that. Okay, I wonder if Kevin Smith wasn't aping a little bit of this. Alan Rickman plays the voice of God, the the Megatron. Is that right? Not Megatron. I think that's right. That's and a transformer. He says, "Yeah, it is," but I, I think Mellotron or something like that. And he says, "You know, 
at the end, if anybody who isn't from this plane or another plane in existence, you know, better cover their ears because God speaks, played by Alanis Morissette, and it explodes Matt Damon's head. So I was wondering if angelic language was either like intuitive or imperceptible to human ears. So they had to learn how to vocalize. Yeah. Well, angels, you know, there is a thing about angels singing and all that, and it's beyond human, Yeah, you know, the frequencies that we can hear. And there is stuff on that. In dogma, they make a point to say that they have no anatomy. So, because I was worrying about a potential like assault situation with the guy in the trailer, but I kept on yeah, remembering well, the, like they don't have I'm anatomy, get this so wrong. they can't do this. Oh, but I can't remember. Like I want to say Anunnaki or one of those ancient, you know, where they were the a, a, ancient alien stuff, where they're referencing this old stuff, like the Anunnaki or whoever it was, came to Earth and and mated with the humans, creating giants. So. That immediately made me that? think of this. No, when, when exactly what you were saying. It made me think. I'm like, this guy, oh, the angel. Yeah, is there's gonna... other stories about you know, angels mating with mortals. Yeah, gods. As well. Yeah, yeah, you know, with mortals and yeah. I, I didn't think it was gonna go there, but I was just like, I don't want it. The look on like his face, and, and then her taking her shirt off, and yeah. him touching her shoulder. It... But it was done really subtly. Like he looked, uh, looked, and looked away. Yeah, and and that was appropriate. But um, so I was just wondering how, you know, it was interesting how they said they laughed for the first time when that first biped saw them and freaked out. But how did the biped see them? Was it a kid? Must have been a child. Okay. Interesting. Or in the child's state of mind. So this is the point where Cassiel fails to stop the suicide. And again, I was wondering what he has a reaction to it. Nine. Well, what if he had said 10? That would have been a comedic think moment. It, think it would. <laughs> that would have been a much needed because the one. It was one, getting a little heavy, right? I was trying to. <laughs> the one comedic moment Nine, no, is coming ten. up when um, Daniel is, Damiel is now clearly obsessing over Marion. He's at the circus a lot. And what I was wondering is he's at the circus. Marion's doing her trapeze, I think, for practice. The tuxedo guy standing there what is damiel is just like circling this dude like mean mugging him and i'm like what is and, and he, he does touch him a couple of times whispers in his ear what was that and it's a fierce look he i i wrote the same thing i put a big question mark but i think it's just he he's infatuated you know he's he's in love with our with our trapeze so girl is he up in this guy's ear like you better not fucking look at her yeah you. well the look on his face it, you know, the dialogue that they don't share with us obviously was. Or know, is it you better catch her if she falls? Yeah. Because it was, me it was as any the of angel, stuff, I can't he, do anything. And if she fell, she would not be killed, but she'd be hurt, I think, pretty bad. She could be killed, depending on how she, landed, she landed. Absolutely. Right. She's, she's 30 feet in the air. And you mentioned it before. Um, this actress learned how to do all that stuff and learned um, dance for this role. And she does, I think, amazing stuff. No, I didn't. I just said she's quite yeah. the dancer. Actually, was tongue in cheek when we get to the band. So, if you listen to the trapeze music, I I rewound it. I was going to record it. I didn't because that's obnoxious. But they take notes from James Bond. 
Yes. Do, do, yes. Do. You, did you I hear that? that. And there's another movie I heard in there too, and I, I didn't write it down, but I heard the bond, and I'm like, holy shit. Now, I don't know if that's just kind of a ubiquitous melody that, that kind of fits, no, it but felt it stuck like, out to me, and I'm like, yeah, I heard it too. What a weird thing to do. I mean, they could have literally went into the dum 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 But it was that bass? Okay. Yeah. Okay, thank I you. heard it too, yeah. Because I said to, to Jess, I was like, do you think Todd will catch this too? And she's like, he's a musician, probably will. <laughs> I said, I don't know if he's into as much Bond music as I am, but man. So um, they go back to the, to the crazy library. They see the female angel. And then next is the Nick Cave concert. And... I, Marion in that black dress looked hot as shit. Yeah. Holy cow. But 80s weird German people at concerts dancing. They all got short hair. They all got. No, she's got all the hair. No, she's she's got a mane. I'm talking about the people around her. Yeah, but just like, I don't know if I would have liked that environment or not. Like just weird people just like doing their own thing. What do you think I would have? thought of that you would have made it about 3.8 seconds and said fuck this noise i'm out and that's generous yeah (laughs) so nick cave in the bad seats nick cave um is a musician and they he's he's a poet he's a he's a weird guy and during this time frame like from 85 to 89 they lived in in west berlin so the band the whole band they lived there and they toured from there and so I'm guessing that's where yeah. the director connected with him. What? What is the French? This is kind of off topic. But the French connection then with Berlin, thinking of Atomic Blonde, and the spy coming from Paris, and then our lead coming from Paris in this movie. I, I don't know. Is there some type of French? I don't know. Paris I mean, Parisian thing coming to Berlin for maybe that did, time frame. Do they assume that you know most circuses are French? This is gonna sound so ignorant. I'm so sorry. But you know what I'm saying? The 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 spy uh Charlize's girlfriend in in, uh, Atomic Blonde. Great scene, by the way. Sophia Batella? She's French in that movie? She is French through and through. She's not Latin American or Egyptian? She no, that's the different movie. (laughs) That's the mummy. She is yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. She is French. I just think it's it's exotic to bring, you know, a different element in. Because you could argue that, you know, hearing the French language, although it didn't really differentiate too much to me. And that was another problem with this movie is I didn't really know who was talking all the time. And that just may be my stupid American ears. Not Well, it's because we're reading. You're reading subtext instead of actually watching the and film. And a lot of the dialogue wasn't too personalized. Like nobody really had their own tone except for Marion, whose tone was fucking depressing. So whenever she talked, <laughs> you could tell her her voice and then, you know... Well, and she was the only female voice you really yeah. heard. So I, I love the line where Peter Falk, and, and we're getting to my clip, and the scene okay. that really kind of blew me away was Peter Falk is walking, and, and there's a real story about him that ties into this, so hang on till the end. Okay. So Peter Falk is just walking in a field, and a bunch of toughs come up, and the one guy's like, hey, isn't that Columbo? <laughs> I laughed out loud. Yeah. And they're, they're like, like nah, no, he wouldn't be out walking in this not mud. Not in this muck. Muck. <laughs> yeah, and and literally he was. He, he was. He was looking for something his grandma, a place his grandma had told him about. 
Yeah. Um, and I kind of wonder if that was part of the script or ad-libbed. Oh. Um, yeah. Because of, of what I'll tell you about Peter Falk. But um, so Peter Falk goes up to a food truck, essentially, or at a coffee truck. And um, Damiel approaches him. Our, our angel. And uh, this is the interaction. And this this really, I thought this was kind of interesting. So, yeah, this is, we're giving it away. I can't see you, but I know you're here. I feel it. You've been hanging around since I got here. I wish I could see your face. Just look into your eyes and tell you how good it is to be here. Just to touch something. See, that's cold. I feel good. Here. To smoke. Have coffee. And if you do it together, So Peter Falk, at this point, I am presupposing that the filmmakers are saying Peter Falk, the actor, is a magic person. That's what I think. Uh, he, he, can, he can see invisible angels. Peter Falk, the actor. Well, because he's playing himself and he reaches out his hand and Damiel shakes it. Yeah. And I'm like, Peter Falk's magic. This is what they're saying. This is canon. This is this Peter before F- the before the This is before the reveal. This the, is yeah. I thought the no. reveal isn't the reveal no. right after this? No, no. Way at the end. The reveal is in full color, my friend. So I'm like, what I think is interesting is this food truck guy is not even paying no never mind to Peter Falk, just talking to nobody. He's just going about his business like same shit. There's a lady. There's a lady? That wasn't a lady. Working he, that coffee food truck? Then it's, it's a different a scene. There's dude. a different scene where there's a it's oh, a lady. Yeah, there's in that another truck. scene where he, Peter Falk is talking to Marion, and that's a lady. Folks, he's only watched it once. I watched it twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swinging a miss on me. <laughs> so this prompts Damiel to go to Casile. God damn it! I'm doing it right though. Lenny and Squiggy, and he says, "I'm going to take the plunge. I want to become immortal." Yeah, so Peter Falk inspires him to go to go all the way because he's been talking about it throughout the movie. Yeah. Clearly, when he's in her camper, he didn't wants, know it was an option though. He wants to go you there. Know. Um, but did you note that what are the first things that Damiel wants to do? He wants to drink coffee. Drink coffee, yeah. Um, shit. He wants a bath, and he wants a Turkish barber. <laughs> now that sounds gross that's not right um turkish barber ladies and gentlemen if you look it up 
They do the full gamut. They do all the good stuff. They even clip your fucking nose hairs. So Turkish Barber, this is what this angel wants to do, amongst a bunch of other things. Now, so he's choosing a Turkish barber first, maybe in preparation well, to his yeah, girl. Because you he know, wants to be ready. Clearly, for it. the 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 god awful jacket he buys is all part of the courting process. <laughs> this peacock wants to fly. Yeah. So now I'm wondering about the logistics. Like, okay, angel guy, you could choose to be mortal. Is this like Superman in the Fortress of Solitude using the chamber and yeah. he becomes, you know, human? They don't really delve into that. They I mean, don't. He just, they, he just states the intent and then... They cut to Casile holding Demille in his arms for a second. Now it's in color. And then Demille is just on the ground. And they show the footprints alluding to him having yeah. become mortal and walking. But but it seems like one footprint. looked like he hopped. No, it was several. Oh, was it? Yeah, it looked it, like it, one like he hopped. I'm like, did he just hop there? No, no, there was a full path. So then he's hit in the head with his armor, which I assume was dropped by a helicopter. <laughs> Did you notice that? He's hit in the head with his armor, and then they cut to a helicopter in the sky, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Did, like, if they, <laughs> wait, his head would be obliterated if it was dropped from that height, but what was with the helicopter? I didn't understand. Avant-garde, baby. Okay, and again, I kept on going, like, German movie, okay. Well, just like what we did with Swimming Pool, you know. Fucking yeah, French. fucking French. <laughs> So he gets up. He notices he's bleeding from the wound in his head. He meets a stranger. and What color is his blood? So I was curious, do angels only see in black and white, and is that a metaphor? It was filmed in black and white. Do they only see in black and white, and is that a metaphor? Mm. I want to say... Good and evil. You see what I'm saying. Yeah, but I want to say the color. I was going. My mind was going to when they do the color scenes. And it's not only when, you know, like he's mortal because they did it earlier. Yeah. But he's so insistent on that stranger. Is that purple? So I assume he's guessed what these colors are for centuries and now is finally seeing them for the first time. Well, that's that's the whole point. You yeah. know, you're, you're living life, you know, as if, well, the point of the movie really in my big bold letters here, since I'm here, I will... At that point, I'll get it. Um, is to live like we are immortal. That's what you extrapolated. Live yeah. like we're immortal. Yes. But being immortal sounds like it's a real fucking drag. Well, if you're... Maybe in Berlin. If what if you're, you're, in, a, what no. if you're in Rio? If, like, do, do they want to, like, apply for yeah. the angel gig? If you believe you're a spirit or soul having a human experience and not the other way around, then... That is true, and we just don't live that way. Interesting. But other cities have to be better than this one, right? Like, <laughs> are they on the low end of the totem cult pole because they fucked up angelic-wise? Like, it, again, like, during Carnival, being an angel during Rio, in, in Rio, that's got to be fun. Just for a break? <laughs> like, it's so relentlessly bleak, and I get that's the point of going through this and human misery and loneliness and isolation. Yeah. Well, they spent so much time in the library. Yeah. So much. But that, that set, that library was gorgeous. The ce- the ceiling, the textures of it. Maybe he just fell in love with that. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Just as a set piece. So he sells his armor for a watch, a hat, and the shittiest coat I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that's what a Rodney Dangerfield coat yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, buy a hat like this, you get a free bowl of soup. Soup. 
<laughs> yes. It's Puffy, Rodney Dangerfield, and Caddyshack code. Yeah, all those colors, yeah. Oh, my God. So but, what? So let's dance. But again, now I feel like an asshole because he probably was drawn to how colorful it was and thought... Well, you just said he wanted to be a peacock. Yes. It's got to fly. Yeah. The nice guys. You Mark can, You can email us at... A little independent podcast at gmail.com. And and tell us what movie that's from. Oh, I just said it. I want to be a peacock. So he is on a mission to find Marion. He first goes to the movie set, which is interesting. But I think he goes to the movie set to connect with Peter Falk, which he does. And this is where we get the reveal that really got me. I I really. Oh, yeah. He calls him over. he says, uh, "What when he? Um, what's the compadre? No, because that's it, yeah. What he said like when they that. did the handshake, and that's what yeah, makes cut, Peter Falk come I, over. And, he, and he's like, compadre, it's you. It's something else. But I'm like, why is Peter Falk giving this guy the time of day? It's interesting that he does. Yeah, it was a shock moment for me. I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I didn't see it coming at all. I have Caravaggio in my in my head, but that's not it. But." Um, so Peter Falk surmises that this guy sold his armor and asked him how much money he got for it. And he yeah. says 200 francs. And then Peter Falk says Not, something like, you got cheated. Yeah, you got ripped off, but that's okay. Yeah. That's going to happen. When I sold mine, I got $500 in the Bronx. Yeah. 30 years ago. And so you, the anvil is dropped that yep. Peter Falk was a fucking angel. Oh, he even says it out loud. Yeah. Or, or he says, you were an angel? And he's like, yeah. Does he say angel, though? Uh-huh. Okay, that's the first time. Well, in angel. the subtext, yeah. yeah. And, again, I, I was I was really taken by that moment. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Oh, it blew me away. I, I, I wrote WTF in capital letters. That, that an, that an <laughs> Columbo angel. Columbo was an angel. <laughs> might choose to, you know, do what he did and become a famous actor. Yeah. <laughs> With all the years of knowledge that he amassed. Yeah. So if this is true, I choose to believe it's true. Peter Falk is an angel. He is a gift. I believe this is true. Um, so this is when you have the second fast fast food truck. So Peter Falk is at the food, the coffee truck, and Marion comes up to him yeah. like she's looking for somebody. She recognizes him as Columbo and says can you are you a detective or something can you find people and that was a nice scene as well i thought yeah so you have for me yet from this point forward you gotta suspend belief because this this girl is not gonna be finding demille as her soulmate what do you mean look at him and look at her oh geez (laughs) i thought you just said soulmate not face mate He's yeah, but you sound very shallow, my friend. <laughs> Are you saying this man's not handsome? Not handsome enough for this girl? No, he he, I. He's a goddamn angel. He gives us all hope. He does look like a predator most of the movie, but I, I like that that scene with with Marion and and Peter Falk. Then Cassiel shows up. Peter Falk does the same thing. Again, food truck lady nonplussed by Peter Falk just talking to the air. And Peter Falk extends his hand, and Cassiel doesn't take it. Yeah. Saying he's not ready to give up. Whatever. He, he has no interest in what he yeah. is selling. 
So now we go to a second Nick Cave show, which again, I'm like, Todd is furious right now. Yeah. There's another one of these. Yeah, we, one wasn't enough. But did you notice that venue? How sick was that venue? Like the venue he was playing in, and then you go to the other side with the bar and the stairs. Did that the make any sense that? at all? It no, was it like didn't. this. I loved it. Grunge, dirt, punk rock. I look. Yeah. I looked like it was a blown out hotel or something from the Blitz. Something that was bombed over, yeah. right? And then we go into and the Ritz. Yeah, you go yeah, from yeah. the Blitz to the Ritz. It was a hotel. <laughs> and yeah, how does that happen? So Nick Cave plays a song that that an album he's famous for. That song that he plays is called "From Her to Eternity." I was gonna say I did like that line. Yeah. And the way he hauntingly sings that, yeah, I thought that was cool. I so, wondered if that might win you over a little bit on him, but yeah. I, I thought I did like I did. You think may have been thinking good. he was an actor and that was a fake band. I didn't know. I didn't know. Would yeah. it have helped if you knew it was a real band at all? No. And if this movie was made today, who would be that weirdo band? Oh. See, I don't know the weirdo band. Because I haven't, oh yeah, I guess. Because I haven't seen City of Angels, so I don't know if there's, you know, because Lou Reed's obviously that version in the yeah. trailer for the. Tell you who I'd like to see is Infinium. No oh, thanks. So <laughs> far away is so close. It's it's Lou Reed, but I was thinking about that too. Like, who the hell would it be? And I'm thinking it's it's Rammstein or like the singer of Rammstein, Till Lindemann, and like a bunch of weirdos. Because that guy is a legit weird artist. Maybe Eddie Vedder. No, not weird enough. Not weird enough. His his stuff is haunting though. Like from <laughs> No, it's not haunting. It's Oh see, I picked somebody like oh, see problem. when it's somebody you don't like. <laughs> what well, like you know, who's the weirdest Into the Wild. Who's the weirdest artist right now? now? I'm picture, I'm thinking of Into the Wild. Nobody's weird like Mindless Self Indulgence. That band? That would be a perfect band for this if they're still a band. <laughs> But like nobody's weird, nobody's edgy and weird anymore. He's, There's he's no got Nick Cage. He's got too much energy for me. I can't. I can't. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go for it. I talk too much. Into the Wild. When when Vetter does the soundtrack for that, it is very haunting. It's haunting, but you need it in a weird kind of German sort of way. Well, I'm thinking the like band visually because he band looks like be... a, just a you know a cute little fella from oh, Seattle. So now we're who's shallow now? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Nick Cave just looks like a certified skeletal weirdo. <laughs> you know, his moves and everything. Like I said, he's the goth Jim he, Morrison. He looked, ex- he was doing Morrison's movie. Yeah. That's all there is to yeah, it. Yeah, a lot of people. Dropping on the floor. and So From Her to Eternity is is one of his most famous albums and a really, I think, a cool song. See, and I didn't know any of that, and I, but I did think that was a cool line. So we've got Damiel. He's at the bar. Now, I want you, because uh. you're you're a single man. All right, ladies. <laughs> Todd. Yeah, this is before he's got a face for radio. Is a single man who has a face for anything. And Marion, the the love of his life, the the the, the person that he forsook being an angel for. The angel stalker. Yeah. Comes up to him and lays the heaviest shit on him. She does a monologue for 12 minutes. Yeah. And here are some excerpts of the things she says to him. You and I are now time itself. Ours will be the story of giants. Now, if a girl... Oh, there's the alien giant thing. Exactly. So if a girl came up to you and he he does not speak and she lays this crazy heavy shit on him, would you be like, okay, I'm into this? Or would you be like, see you later, weird person? Well, she's like 
something about him being inside her, her wrapping around him. Oh, no, that him. was a metaphor for sex. Yeah. Yeah. But and, no, I mean, her labyrinth around him. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, but what if that happened to you in real life? Holy shit. You'd be into it? You would yeah. be into it. Are condoms thick enough for that? <laughs> well, no. Do they make I mean, them thick enough? <laughs> she's talking. Yeah. And it's it goes from, you know, you and I are now time itself yeah. to I'm cool with you boning me. And then he gets laid. And he's helping her with her trapeze. And he's a real happy fella. And I like how he's helping her with her trapeze. He is now her anchor. Yeah. And then he's continuing to write. And this is the first time that I I, I noticed um, that Angel was... I didn't see that he said it to Peter Falk. But you realize that it's him writing in the beginning. And he says, I now know what no angel knows. Which is to say maybe the, the pleasures of the flesh... Yeah. And then it says to be continued. <laughs> Fucking German. the last card. <laughs> and you know what? It was. Remade in 1998. I th- No, I'm getting the years yeah, wrong. Yeah, he, he's a prophet. He and, foresaw. And then remade as City of Angels. No, 19, 1997, I think, was Far Away So Close. And then 1998 was the American remake. Anyway. So it was continued just by the same people doing the yeah. same thing. So Aristotle wrote, you know, a story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. So when a story stops with to be continued, the movie's not over. It's not. Did you like this? Yes, but it's it's two hours long, and you do you you will get bored through it. Um I mean, I keep using the word artsy. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's 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 avant garde. It's you really know? heavy. It's the, the all the inner monologue, the crushing existential dread of all yeah. these people, kind of wears on you. But I think you have to be into that's what this is about and find the spots that you like. And there's spots to like, yeah. I think. Yeah, and I, you know, I respect his choices. Yeah. So a little bit of trivia: uh, filming the actual Berlin Wall, as I mentioned, was prohibited. So a replica had to be built uh, twice because the first one warped in the rain because the contractor cheated the producers and made it out of wood. (laughs) 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 Um, And as a note, I mean, this was a few years uh, before the actual fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah, two. All the black and white sequences were shot through a filter made from a stocking that belonged to the cinematographer Henry Alican's grandmother. So all the black and white scenes. The stocking. A filter of the cinematographer's grandmother. So it's filmed in color on 35 millimeter film, we would expect, right? In 87. Right. With a stocking over the lens by someone's grandma. Mm-hmm. Wow. No, it must have been filmed in black and white. But it just had a filter. Well, when they switched to color. Yeah. And the color looked good. Uh, the scene where Otto Sander, uh, Cassiel, He's riding the bus and he's morose with his hands in head in his hands. I think it's after the suicide. Uh, it's because he developed a bald spot and makeup couldn't hide it. Little Picasso trigger in there with vanity. That's <laughs> true. And one day during production, Peter Falk went missing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he, hey, hire Columbo to find him, will you? He was so enchanted with Berlin, he'd take these extra long walks and one day. They just found him in a cafe. He just wandered off. 
And so maybe, you know, the director just started filming him taking his walks through the mud. Um, and he was, he stayed an extra week at his own expense, hoping he would get additional scenes to play. So what I said about how awful that place looked must not have been remotely true because Peter Falk loved being there. I get the sense that he's got heritage, you know, like that stuff about his grandma and telling him to go to this place. That's why when you said it, that was like, I I think that's why I, that's my guess. So we're going to end with reviews. Oh, these, (laughs) woo. There, this one's gonna be a tough one. They're way more, way more good than bad, for sure. Really? And I, I, I think people who, I think you know what you're going into when you're watching a movie like this, right? You should you absolutely, unless you just see Wings of Desire and you're like, hey. And Peter Falk and think it's a detective comedy, yeah. but very quickly you're either you're out or you stay with it. But here we go, one out of ten on IMDb, one of the lamest movies in existence. Seriously, a man should be deemed crazy and out of his mind for even being able to watch this movie without squinting out of boredom. The movie depicts the life of an angel who falls in love with a mortal woman. You get to hear their thoughts. Actually, that's all you get to hear throughout the whole movie. Some guy (laughs) muttering and mumbling something in a philosophical manner. Uh, Semicolon used here, which probably... We don't see that too often. Which is proper grammar. Mumbling something in a philosophical manner, semicolon. It could actually have been interesting if it hadn't resembled Nietzsche's words all the time. Nonetheless, kudos to the director for a superb use of the camera. I've never seen a single shot last so long. Seriously, sometimes I felt like the operator was asleep during filming or something. Did I note the gorgeous actors that vivaciously portrayed the characters in the film? Like, even my guinea pig could have shown more emotions. And he's dead. <laughs> Sorry, shit. <laughs> oh, like even my guinea pig could have shown more emotions, and nope. he's dead. No love for Mary. So yeah, if you really hate someone, buy them this movie for their birthday. Nothing worse than that. <laughs> That's a so whole lot of a real fuck you to no, mom if you're upset. Nothing about on all her the spiritual stuff in it, huh? My guinea pig could have shown more emotions, and he's dead. This person has a. I think this person's just upset because their guinea pig's dead. Um, and again, American the, audiences would have, a, especially today, yeah. would have a very tough time sitting through this. Yeah. Uh, another one, 10 out of 10, astonishing. I just saw this film for the first time. This film is simply amazing. So subtly powerful. The climaxing scene, scene at the bar, it's like seeing the world in a grain of sand. There, just now. Did you see it? There it is again, and again over there. You didn't see it? Watch and you'll see. This film has just made number one of my favorite films of all time. The way they use Peter Falk, spelled wrong, to transcend the boundary between art and life, or perhaps erase the line altogether, wonderfully creative. We are guided gently into a world full of fallen angels, then brought back, full circle, home again. Fallen angels? This is simply a must-see movie. I find it hard to imagine anyone not getting something out of this movie. There you go. They're not fallen angels. I, I know, but, you know. The last but person they liked it. They thought gave their it guinea pig could have done better in the, uh, their dead guinea pig could have done better in this film. Yeah, <laughs> they gave it a 10, so. Yeah, a lot of reviews on it. Um, I, I, I do try to find the kookiest ones I can. So far, I think we're 10 for 10 for kooky reviews, but. Uh, yeah. 
Kudos to you, Ryan, for all that research. Sure. It's fun. I, you know, I, guys, guys, I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I, I liked part of it. I don't know if this is the kind of movie for me. Like, yeah. again, you know, I watch for escape. I watch for right. It st- is stupid laughs. It is very heavy. And it goes on and on and on. You feel like it could have been a lot shorter. It, yeah. I mean, yeah. Could any movie have some cuts in it? Yeah. Right. Um, but the director did what he wanted to do. And there's some good performances in yeah. it for sure. It, you know, everybody's got their own opinion on, on what art is. But again, I didn't mean for this heavy... <laughs> A foreign German film. I saw. I saw the blind date to ended up being the, really heavy. Yeah, really yeah. weird well, so, and depressing. So this is how you know if we're going to stay together. I test us like this. Oh, you know, a blind date. You know, yeah. don't do yeah. it safe. Do it hardcore. Go skydiving for the first date. Um, and this is the <laughs> which the something I will never do. Guard cinematic version of that for our first. Blind it could date. be. It could be. Uh, I'll name somebody. Let's see. For a Name first anybody. date and wanted to jump out of a plane, right. uh, Megan Fox. Um, I'd and allow, I probably wouldn't do it. I'd allow her to jump out of the plane if she said she wouldn't be in movies again. If she goes first, and then I stay on the plane. All right, Jennifer's body was good, but you think so? Yeah, in a weird way, I do like that movie. Um, but she is categorically terrible. Oh, uh, have you seen Rogue? No, I. Oh, uh, it's do awful. That. It's fucking. See, I watched the whole this thing. This is Todd taking a chance, and oh, I'm not taking that. No, nah, I just wanted to see her. Yeah, yeah. Transformers. She was replaced by Jason Statham's model girlfriend in the third one because she's such a terrible actor. Yeah. Well, in Two and a Half Men, she Teenage got Mutant her. Ninja Turtles, terrific. No, she's terrible. She does a 16 year old in Two and a Half Men with Charlie Sheen and her. Yeah. This is a terrible setup. <laughs> a 16-year-old and Charlie Sheen? Yeah. I don't but, think he want to go there. But he doesn't go there because he doesn't want to go to jail. It's well, a it's a hilarious wow. two and a half men. What a moral upstanding fella there. Yeah. Yeah. He he's he stuck to the script. Until, Holy cow. I'll bet you right after was, yeah, they if quit had, filming. If he had tiger blood in him, he would have. As soon as he <laughs> If he was winning. He wasn't winning back then. If he could swing a golf club. <laughs> Well, thank you for um, going on the blind date with me, and I'm sorry if it was no, if it hurt your soul a little bit. But uh, I, no, you know, it was a great no, it was great. I mean, it ups again, our, our independent best movie director in Cannes, 1987. You yeah. know, I can, you know, you gotta oh, watch it. And I think the the sequel um, that I keep forgetting the name, Far Away So Close, won at Cannes as well. I think it won Best Picture. Really? Yeah. So, but it was a Sony Pictures, so it wasn't an independent technically. Yeah, because Cannes is an invite. Yeah. Well, again, thank you very much, Mr. Todd, for watching this movie. And uh, until the next time, I'm excited to see what you have to choose. Find us on Facebook and email us at a little independent podcast at gmail.com. And Ryan? Yes, Todd. We will always have Monty Doro. Who are those guys? Who are those guys? You'll love it. It's just a little.
love it. It's just a little independent. Like, it's just like I'm introducing a movie to you. Like you're about to. Oh. Yeah. All right, so yeah, like, yeah. Just a little independent.